I've been coming to work up and down this boulevard for almost 20 years. And parts of Chattanooga have made a lot of progress in those 20 years. Some parts of town look fantastic, and tourists travel from all over to enjoy it. But that progress hasn't reached enough of Chattanooga. Not nearly enough. From Brainerd, to Hickson, to Alton Park, to Lookout Valley, too many Chattanoogans have been left behind. And the truth is, even businesses in the heart of downtown have struggled. But Chattanooga is better than this. We are better than this. It's past time we got back on track. Our potential is the greatest it's ever been. We just need the vision and the leadership to get us all pulling together. And I have that vision. I have a passion for Chattanooga nobody in this race can match. And a demonstrated record of leadership and job creation too. I believe in common sense and a common purpose. And I love this city, so let's get to work. One Chattanooga together. I'm Tim Kelly and I approve this message. What the hell is that? Hey, Stone on Air. If you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They were like, Brian! <laughs> yeah, Brian! Yes. yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposed uh, for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast for July 22nd. The year, the worst year ever, 2020. How are you? I am doing just fine as of record time. Getting started just a little bit late tonight because there was exhibition Major League Baseball being played between two different teams on my television set, and I couldn't stop Watching it, it was the Braves and the Marlins in Atlanta. The first game that they have played, I know a couple uh, or many major league teams have played over the last few days, uh, effective or officially against other teams. Every everybody's been playing against themselves as the summer camp, as they're calling it, was uh, ramped up about a week and a half, two weeks ago, whenever it was, and it's the first. Major League Baseball game I have seen in quite some time. The Braves are getting their uh, teeth kicked in by the Marlins. Does not matter. It is just like a spring training game. And it was very, very boring. <laughs> and I know my my, my, brave, my baseball haters out there are going to say, well, no bleep, a-hole. All baseball is boring. But uh, obviously I don't believe that. I don't agree with that. But it's, you know, nobody in the stands. I've been saying it all year long. I don't even really need a season. I don't need it. Now, if you're going to play... I will watch. I will. So go ahead. That's fine. I'm not against it. I'm not mad about it. But it is uh, It's a little boring. Kind of looks like people practicing. And we'll do the thing for real coming up on Friday. So let's see what to do, what to do. So on the front end there, that's the latest ad from Tim Kelly. First saw it on Instagram. I'm sure it's on all the platforms. I don't know if he runs these on traditional television uh, local stations or not. I'm, I'm guessing Tim being kind of a traditionalist when it comes to old school media that he probably is, and I think it would be a good idea that he does do some of that, but do the majority focus through social media and online presence. Um, Tim Kelly needs to be the next mayor. Uh, it's just that's just what it needs to happen. He is a moderate, conservative, uh, liberal, progressive type. And he just absolutely gets it, 
and he gets the city and he gets the scene and the political scene. It's a perfect fit. Monty Brule is, a, by all accounts, an incredible guy who could do a good job as well, who's going to get a lot of support from the, the super left for sure. And um, that's good. Good for him. But I don't think it's going to be enough support. The, uh, the election isn't until March of next year. So if it was on the ballot this year for at, at the general election in November, I would say there's no telling really at this point because this year is just so flipped upside down, you know, parallel universe kind of kind of stuff in a lot of ways. And, and I don't think you could really predict anything that uh, definitively for a November down the ballot uh, vote. But this is in March when most people aren't going to vote. And as long as he doesn't piss off the wrong people who are the loudest around here, which he won't, he won't, he's smart enough not to do you know something dumb like that, he is going to probably win this election because of its uh, away from the general election next year. I'm guessing at some point that was strategically done to try to kind of not dictate, but at least uh, manipulate in a way the voter turnout because people just don't show up and march and vote. They just don't. And, uh, you know, we can spend an entire podcast on the, you know, social studies on why people do or don't do what they do when they do it. But um, anyway, Tim Kelly should be Chattanooga's ex-mayor. I, of course, don't live in the city, so I have no uh, vote in that. I saw this. Um, I printed it off. It's like a movie poster. It says, coming soon, 2021, I know what you did last summer. It's got the cast from that movie from 100 years ago. And then the bottom it says, fucking nothing. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. A couple uh, television programming watching uh, updates. So I talked about Austin Powers last week and how I thought that I watched it on just cable TV and the first one and just I just didn't think it held up. Thought it was dumb as hell. And uh, and in the day we in, day and age we live in now, quite offensive in a lot of ways. Not to me, but to somebody, I could see it totally being because of the unwanted sexual advancements that Austin does. His character does the character does the entire damn movie. Well, Austin Powers two was on the other day, and I'll be damned if it wasn't hysterical. <laughs> it was so funny. I haven't seen it in so long. I. I couldn't stop watching it. I couldn't remember how it ended, so I, I had to finish it. I watched the whole damn thing, and I thought it was so funny. I forgot he loses his mojo, and he can't uh, perform, and he has to be you know out to get fat bastard and all this. <laughs> and Heather Graham was better than I gave her credit for. Uh, it was very, very, very funny stuff. And uh, so since I've been stuck on CNBC watching so much Shark Tank recently, I'm seeing just constant commercials for all their programming every damn break and so i tried i decided to give another one of their shows a try an original american greed it is really really good uh just the one i watched uh, last night was the college admission scam with uh, the uh, becky from um let's say by the bell uh, full house and uh that whole deep-seated ring of of celebrities and and just you know high-level types 
paying off the certain people from universities. It was like a whole ring of 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 scandal. It was really really good. And there's a whole bunch of them. all the Bernie Madoffs and you know all the typical ones you've heard of, and then plenty others I haven't heard of. I, I really enjoy watching uh, that. So that's been kind of moved into the rotation. And once again, I think I've talked about it before. Watching TV through your phone, meaning casted to the TV through Hulu Live sucks god i'm so tired of it i'm thinking about going back to traditional cable because the bundle isn't really that expensive when you compare it to how much i spend on all this other crap and hulu shows the same damn commercials virtually every commercial break and it's just the same crap over and over and over again Um, not that regular tv is all that much different I'll lay out the show here in just a minute. First, uh, I've been spending a lot of time up on top of Signal Mountain here recently for reasons that I might get into one of these days, but just not yet. And it's a whole world up there that I didn't know. I mean, I knew there was houses and businesses and all that up there, but I'd never been this far into the town of you know Walden and Signal Mountain. And I went to the Pruitts, you know, the grocery store, and it was a dream. I had heard that it was a nice store. It's basically Green Life because the Pruitt's family owned Green Life before they sold it off and then turned into the crappiest Whole Foods in the country. It is the closest thing to the old Green Life you're ever going to find. And I was just in love. Now, I can't afford to go into stores like that very often, but I can't afford to go with some regularity. And I'm not going to drive up to Signal Mountain for that with, with much regularity. But I was just, I didn't even buy anything. I just walked up and down the aisles and thought, oh, my God, what a great grocery store. All right, so on the tail end of this first segment, I'm going to just kind of talk updates in my life of you know anecdotal COVID and mask mandates and all that. We'll put a lot of time into it, not much at all. And then coming up in the final segment of the show, I'm going to go back down the road of the uh, the Redskins, the uh, racist team names, and other teams that have now changing names, and other brands that are rebranding because of people being called out through cancel culture. And um, I'm, I'm kind of tired of it. Think the Me Too movement. Um, just the overall, the oversaturation of it. And I'll, uh, I'll get into that. I won't spend a ton, a ton of time on it, but I'll do that in the final segment of the show. In the middle segment, um, leave it to me to take the show tar- Shark Tank and use it as show fodder so often. But I'm going to do an entire segment on this many years ago, uh, probably season three, this radio guy pitched an idea to the Shark Tank. And it hit home. It resonated with me a lot because of a new venture idea I'm about to go into, which I will touch a, a little bit on as I get into that segment. So that will be in the middle of the show. For today, I don't have a uh, today years old, and I don't have a worst idea. I do, however, have three coolest things. So we'll start off with the first coolest thing today. It's a new dude who's just, you know, there are a dime a dozen these days, Trump impersonators, but it's they're always usually, anyway, pretty damn funny. This is another TikTok I stumbled on just the other day. This is the first coolest thing on today's podcast. Trump is like someone who's never passed their driver's test but thinks they could drive. Quite frankly, I love to drive. I'm a very big driver. They say I always could drive well. They said I could have done NASCAR. I didn't want to do NASCAR. I love driving. The testing has gone up. I've taken more tests than you can ever imagine. I'm testing more than ever. They keep coming back as negative. I've never passed a driver's test. That's fine. It's fine. There's a couple of things I love about driving. I love the Prindle. Because there's so many options. You could do P, you could do R, you can even do N for nasty. 
And don't even get me started with the filthy lying odometer. It's always lying. The odometer says 95,000. How could there be 95,000 gallons of gas in the car? <laughs> I've heard that like five or six times, and I laugh my ass off at the end of that every time. I don't know who that guy is or anything. I just thought that was very funny. Uh, Derrick Henry was re-signed by the Tennessee Titans the other day to a four-year, $50 million deal. And when you put it in comparison to other deals in the history of the league in the last 10 years and other running backs, it's a hell of a deal for the Titans going to work out really nicely and um, really excited about that I don't know what this football season is going to look like or if it's even going to happen I think it probably will I know I won't be in the stands because I I think I talked about it last week I'm not renewing my season tickets this year which I am thankful to not have to mess with that this year but Tony and Mike Wilbon Kornheiser and Wilbon on PTI talking about which one's more important the long-term signing of the quarterback or the long-term signing of the running back Toss-up, more valuable Titan, Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry? Okay, quarterbacks are always more valuable regardless of the team. That's why the Titans paying Tannehill $62 million guaranteed and Derrick Henry $25 million guaranteed. I love Derrick Henry. He's the best running back in all of football. They're 13-0 when he goes for 100 yards. Ding, They're ding, three ding. They're 3-0. Ding, okay, ding, Okay, 3-0 in the playoffs when he's over 100 ding, yards ding, and 0-2 when he's not. Yeah, but I'm just saying to you, when he was with Marcus Mariota, Tennessee didn't do much. Tannehill getting there changed the course of that franchise. So I don't think it's as easy a call as you do. It's very easy because also Tannehill's the number one play-action passer in the league. Play-action comes off initiation of a fake to that running back, and the coaches learned better how to use him after Mariota. <laughs> And maybe Tannehill himself said, I am not going to be a dope. I understand that this is where my bread is buttered. Tannehill, like every quarterback, gets paid more, but the best player on that team is Derrick Henry. I think I agree with him. I don't know that that's a fact. I wouldn't think Wilbon would say it if it wasn't, that Tannehill is the highest percentage quarterback on play action. I did not know that. That's In case you don't know, that's when you fake to the running back. And that gets everybody kind of bites going, you know, getting their body moving the wrong way. And then that gives separation to the to the receivers and to the middle of the field. And if he if that's true, if his percentage is the highest of the league, then that is a tandem that uh, that could really be good for in the next couple of years. If they can continue to be that efficient where he's running for 100, 150 yards a game and Tannehill's the highest percentage throwing in play action. That's exciting. I didn't know that. I hope that's true. I hope he didn't just kind of make that up. But um, anyway, that's the coolest thing. Number two, going to stick with Tony Kornheiser's show, his podcast. I was uh, listening to the end of it the other day. I don't listen to the end of it every time because it's uh, reading the, the mailbag, the emails. And, I, you know, sometimes I stick with it. Sometimes I don't. More times than not, I don't really care what callers to radio shows say or what emails say. The good thing with emails is you can, you know, you get to dictate what you do or don't read. I happen to stick with the, um, the, uh, the, the email segment, and uh, a great friend of mine, a cherished member of this community, Mike Dewar, formerly of Rhythm and Brews, formerly of the Sandbar, and now currently with Songbirds. He is a Chattanooga legend, a Chattanooga treasure, and a couple of things that me and Mike share is our love for baseball and our love 
for Tony Kornheiser, so I was delighted to hear Tony read an email that Mike sent into the show, even though he got his name incorrect. Uh, Mike Dower, I hope I pronounced that correctly, or Dower, as hard-hitting as it is getting updates on D.C. traffic as I sit in Chattanooga, I couldn't contain my excitement over the discussion of landmarks around your hometown on Long Island. Hailing from Greenlawn on Long Island, my father taught at the University of New York at Farmingdale. He would grab our eggs and milk from the dairy on campus next to the Dew Drop-In. I do think we're missing one giant of the industry, the man, the myth, the legend, Charles Chips. The big Charles Chips truck would pull into our driveway every other week to deliver large cans of chips and pretzels. They did that when I went to college, too, in Binghamton, Charles Chips. This immediately took care of two of my basic seven food groups growing up on the island. Thanks for the memories. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. I hate pumpkins. I do. Happy birthday. <laughs> so that was very cool. Uh, probably means very little uh, to you, I would think. The story certainly doesn't resonate with you. You don't even know what it's about, and I'd barely do either. The Kind of the joke in the front end was Tony a lot of times starts talking about just local Washington, D.C. stuff when he does a national-based show, and so that's why he said, well, I love hearing the traffic updates while I'm in Chattanooga, and then he goes to talk about his hometown because they're both from the same area. Again, it's not the point of what they were talking about. It's just really cool to hear one of my favorite guys, Tony Kornheiser, reading an email out of nowhere from one of my local favorite guys, Mike Dewar. Those are your three coolest things. I'll be real brief here and wrap up this segment here in just a minute as I'm already 17 minutes in. The mask update, COVID update just in my life, uh, I'm just wearing the damn thing. I do not think that a mandate is necessary. I don't think that the uh, practices of these uh, precautions are actually being done effectively. I think just about anybody in most service industry areas and, and in, in the business community, it's all optical. As I've said, an optical delusion. I don't think people can really possibly even do it correctly because the spreading of germs is so easy to do. But it is all about how you look and what you're doing and why you're doing it at whatever given time. I'm just going to wear the damn thing and go along with it, and I'm not going to be mad about it. And I don't. I think anybody who is mad about it is being foolish. Just whatever. It's not a big deal. I've got my, my mine's actually pretty comfortable, and it really kind of almost is turning into a fashion statement kind of thing. I mean, people are selling the hell out of some masks and getting some licensing deals and having your favorite team on it or whatever your your cool logo is or whatever the design is. It, I mean, I, I actually think in some cases it's an all right look, and um, I'm I'm fine with it. I don't like it, but I'm fine with it. So real quick on the way out the door in this segment, I did go to the TFP's coronavirus updates page and just to, went back to when the mandate first went in because I never really did a segment or looked at it too much. Really, there's enough on the books that basically can cancel anybody out from even having to do it at all. It's not really a mandate. Again. Optical delusion. Everybody's just following what every other communities are doing because we don't have a nationwide protocol. And Memphis and Nashville and Knoxville mandates mask. Well, sure as hell comes Chattanooga next. That's just what you have to do. But if you go through all this fine print, you almost anybody can come up with a reason that checks the boxes here as to why you don't have to. And uh, if you want to do that, fine. I don't care enough to do it. Uh, ch children under 12. Do not have to wear a mask. I don't know why that would be, but whatever. If you have any kind of breathing complications in any way, you don't have to. If you're hard of hearing or deaf, relying on uh, lip reading, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, people who are outdoors, 
unless you're in a crowded space, which you're obviously not supposed to be in. Uh, if you're in your car, trucks, any commercial vehicles, which has always been a weird look, driving down the road with a mask on, what are you doing? Uh, Jim Hammond says that they will they will not 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 enforce it, but not harass, quote-unquote, if you will, is actually how it's worded. And David Roddy, Chief Roddy from the city police, just said, we're not offering or, or handing out citations for this. So it's only a mandate on paper, really. I'd just be cool about it is all I would say to anybody who wanted to listen. You see these videos where people are fighting to get in without a mask and they're, you know, just chaos around certain wacky places in our country. I've only seen a few of them. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. If the damn company, if the if the building that you're walking into, the business, the, the public space, whatever it is, says that you should be wearing a mask, Wear the damn thing or just don't go, right? That's all I'm saying. I don't like it any more than anybody else, but I try to play along when I can. So how have I taken a Shark Tank episode from seven years ago revolving around a radio industry type and turned it into an entire segment of a podcast in July of 2020? Well, we'll all find out together next. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Who are the Sharks? They're self-made millionaire and billionaire investors who are entrepreneurs themselves. Kevin O'Leary is a venture capitalist who turned a $10,000 loan into a software business worth $4.2 billion. Damon John is a fashion and branding expert who grew his homemade clothing line into the globally recognized fashion brand, FUBU. Robert Herjavec, the son of an immigrant factory worker, is now a technology mogul who sold his first internet companies for over $350 million. Lori Grenier, the queen of QVC, holds over 100 patents and has launched over 300 products, grossing over a half a billion dollars in retail sales. And Mark Cuban, notorious billionaire entrepreneur, tech guru, and the outspoken owner of the NBA's Dallas Mavericks. Welcome back in. <clears throat> this is the Glass Animals. And I was trying to figure out some music to use on the show this week, and I just, I'm not at the station anymore, so I'm not getting new music fed to me a lot. You know, where I see it every day, hear it every day, I'm, I'm not doing anything other than just my normal routines to where I've found anything new recently, local or regional or national, except for I did catch the new Glass Animals uh, single the other day. Thought it was really good, so I'm going to play it next segment. And I played this because I found this song because of the radio station, Alt 98.7, and I'd never even heard of that Glass Animals until I went to work over there. So that's something I certainly, certainly miss about being in the radio industry, even if it's regardless of what genre it is, because you, you have it in front of your, the, the trades, the industry trades are in front of you every day. This is a great song. So I say that in part to say that I am in the works on a new radio gig. It's not the most ideal situation that I've ever been presented with, but I'm running out of options in this city. <laughs> really am. There's only one company left I haven't worked for, and it's not that company. You can probably take a guess at who you think it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet, because by the time you hear this, 
I will be having another meeting with them to kind of hammer out some details about what is and isn't expected, how you know compensation is going to be. It's it's a very different world than I'm used to. I apologize for being very vague right now. It's not that I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to jinx it. I just don't want to bring up something out loud that I haven't secured yet. Maybe by next week I'll be able to tell you exactly what it is. But it got me thinking more and more after I saw this episode of Shark Tank the other day because it's a very similar kind of thing I'm trying to do, pitch a very antiquated uh, medium like radio. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not incredible radio shows all over the country because there certainly is. But as an industry, clearly, and anybody who knows anything about anything knows that it's dying a slow, miserably painful death. But you can still make money in it, and you can still do it, and you can still enjoy it, and you can still love it. It's just my my biggest love of my life is uh, is is the radio. And so more on that coming next week. But so when uh, probably next week anyway. But as I was li- watching this episode from, it was 2013, so seven years ago. It's the third year into the show, and as I get further and further back, because I'm running out of episodes I haven't seen, you can tell in the infancy of the show they would take almost any idea because it was, you know, you never know how long this show's even going to last. So it 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 wasn't the, the scrutiny wasn't there as much to have really amazing products or really amazing. Uh, content for the show as the show has evolved over a decade it's turned into like a traveling circus it's like american idol when when they have their their uh tryouts and their 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 uh, come coming to your city near you uh, you could be the next star and like you know 10,000 20,000 people show up the same kind of thing happens for shark tanks traveling show when they go around and say hey pitch your idea you might make it on the show because even if you don't get money from the sharks you're still getting on tv so it's still a television show at the end of the day But the first few years, it wasn't like that. And so they kind of took a little bit of everything. Now, this was a radio guy from, uh, he might say when I play some of these clips, I've got 10 clips here, but they're all very short, so I won't spend a ton of time on this. But um, I think he's a DJ out of L.A. or Denver or something, and he's got this slow jazz show that he wants to uh, syndicate all across the country on, uh, you know, music stations. And he's coming in to get money uh, to invest in this uh, business idea anyway. This is the first clip from Shark Tank. Dude is pitching Slow Jams. That's the name of his radio show. First into the tank is a radio DJ from San Diego, California, who's pitching the Sharks his syndicated radio show. Hi, Sharks. My name is R-Dub. I'm the creator and host of Sunday Night Slow Jams. I'm seeking $75,000 in exchange for 10% equity. Sunday Night Slow Jams is a love songs and dedication show heard across America and around the world on over 60 radio stations. So for pitching $75,000 for 10% equity, that equals to an evaluation of a business that is worth $750,000. Obviously, they're that mass easy, 75 times 10. They have all kinds of different uh, numbers from people who come in there, and then they decide what the evaluation is. I'm not sure exactly how that math is done or why it is done that way, but just so that makes sense there. On this next clip, they're talking to Brian McKnight, the R&B soul singer-songwriter. He was there to help pitch the idea, just so you know when they ask, uh, hey, Brian, how are you involved with this? But the first shark jumps in, and his reaction initially is telling and really just kind of uh, uh, sad anyway for the industry. 
Brian, what's your connection to everything? Uh, we're friends. Oh, just and friends, okay. He is one of the leading DJs that play the music that I create. So, syndicated radio is a horrible business. Wow, where's the love? What makes your show better, makes it stand out, profitable, gives it an opportunity for an investor to make his money back? So he jumps right in there, and he's not wrong. This was in 2013, so it hadn't gotten better since. Syndicated radio is a horrible product for investors. Lori, who is the queen of Q, uh, QFC, Q, QFC, QVC, right? Isn't that what it is? The Home Shopping Network? She apparently has got the biggest show, and she makes millionaires without even barely trying. She doesn't even know what syndicated radio, what the business, the industry is even about. Uh, Mark Cuban jumps in to explain it. So how exactly does radio syndication work as a business? I'm not very familiar with that. Let me try to explain a little bit. I have, I have a lot of experience because when we did AudioNet, which turned into Broadcast.com, we started the streaming business. What happens is our dub creates a show, Slow Jams, and he goes to radio stations and he says, look, I'm going to give you this amazing content for free. What I'm going to get in return are radio commercials that you'll run, that I'll sell. And he says, okay, I have X number of listeners, so my spot's worth X number of dollars per spot. Then he goes out there and tries to sell it. And so that's basically, it's a little more complicated than that, but that is basically what it is. And that's the situation that I'm in with this new potential gig. It's the same kind of thing. I'm going to give you this, and then we're going to go out here, and we're going to sell this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do this. I think it's going to be a good thing for me, but as I get ready to put that idea together, I'm sitting here watching this Shark Tank from seven years ago thinking, yeah, that's kind of the problem I have. Mr. Wonderful on the show is Kevin O'Leary. He's done lots of things to become a hundred, hundred millionaire, hundred billionaire, whatever he is. He is also very skeptical of this idea, and then the, the radio dude talks about what it is that he is going to do or he needs to be successful. It immediately leads to this question. If I take a map of America, which markets do you not have? Well, there's 274 rated markets. We're in 62 markets, so we've barely tapped the potential. Now I'm the investor. I got my go. investor hat on saying, there's tremendous growth potential here. Yep. But our dubs went on for 160 years. Why doesn't he have those markets? Because I am finally ready to hire my own in-house affiliate sales director. His entire job, 812, 15 hours a day is to not only travel, but bang those phones and spread the word so about So is that what you're going to do with the money? Absolutely. So if I had somebody that I could pay, they could go out all over town and sell my advertising for my podcast and for uh, the now defunct, but eventually will be alive again website and uh, the potential new radio show, whichever company that might be at in the future at any point. If I could pay somebody to do that for me, then it would be a lot easier again, though, the uh, the Sharks want to know, as they do in any pitch, how do they get their money back? The first time you fell in love, do you remember that feeling deep down inside, those those butterflies? That's what the show captures. Last time I had those feelings, my stock hit 100 bucks a share. <laughs> Let's not even discuss the valuation. You say you're worth 750000 Sure. Let's leave that aside because we're in love right now. We are in love. How do I get? <laughs> how do I get the seventy-five thousand back? We are about to explode, and we are about to grow faster than we've ever grown before. And every contestant or, or, or person who shows up on the show to pitch, all say they're about to explode. So now for some of the decisions by the sharks, which you can probably guess that no one's going to bite on this one. First, we'll start with Lori. But when I sit here and think about you really expanding, I'm not sure it's just 
this sales manager that you need. I feel like you need a hook. You need something really clever and unique that draws people in. I feel like there needs to be more. And so for that reason, I'm up. Mr. Wonderful, who's kind of like the um, the Simon Cowell of the show. He's the one who can be the asshole, for lack of a better way of putting it, but also sometimes one of the more entertaining of stars, if you will, of the show. Once again, he is brutally honest. The radio market as an investment sucks. Ouch. I can tell you that as an institutional investor. This is radioactive waste out there. It's terrible. R-Dub, thank you very much, but I'll pass. I'm out. Radioactive waste. <laughs> oh, man. It just sucks so bad that the radio has to be such a mess of an industry. Let's see. What do I got here? Uh, Robert's decision. He's a... I can't even remember how to say his last name. He's a tech mogul. He's made uh, $100 billion on whatever else, but here's where he goes with it. You've been doing it for 20 years, and you're making a good living, and you're in 40% of the potential market. That's the positive. But I just don't think one sales guy makes the entire business. Because if that's the key for you, find a guy, give him some percentage of your business, and he will really hustle for you out there. Yeah. That's the path that I see. I don't see how you're going to build a business with my 75000 I'm out. Damon John is the creator of the FUBU line of clothing. I kind of remember that. From what, 20 years ago or so, I guess? I don't know. Anyway, he uh, he's in on this, and here's his decision. So it looks like Damon and I will take off and blow up the slow jam industry by ourselves. <laughs> but, all right, good luck, guys. I don't listen to the type of radio that you are producing, and I just don't understand it. I have to be passionate about the businesses I invest in. I'm out. And finally, the one who made me... Uh, kind of gravitate to the show to begin with uh mark cuban is uh, just so fun to watch on tv and the things that he's done in his life is so cool like the guy has done so much for tech and the nba and just uh just entrepreneurship all the way around the final shark bows out look you're in an industry that as you know is incredibly difficult your market is geared towards a younger audience and that market does listen more online does listen to their ipods and use devices to get their music i don't think you're doing things in a way that you can reach the younger audience the demographics that you want to go to i think it's going to make it tough if not impossible for any investor to get their money back and for those reasons i'm out and remember this is 2013 so our our tech was still pretty high but it wasn't quite uh, it wasn't Spotify world yet. I'm pretty sure Spotify wasn't a thing in 2013. And if it was, it was brand, brand, brand new. And now getting music and, and your podcast and whatever content you want, there's not a single person walking around. It doesn't matter how poor or just terrible with money that that person is or broke or rich or whatever. It doesn't matter. Every single one of us who is of any importance in the marketplace has access to whatever they want, whenever they want. And so that's what makes content king and how you get that to people and how you market that has never been more um, competitive and, and difficult than it is now, but it's still possible. It's still, still possible, especially on a local level. And hopefully I'll be able to tell you more about uh, this the, the new cool idea coming. 
uh, for me here shortly. Thank you so much for sitting through that nearly 15-minute ramble of uh, radio industry and a television show you likely don't have any interest in watching. A little bit more on the Redskins changing their name, the logo, what is racist, what isn't, how tired I am of the narrative, and uh, one little tidbit I found today that I thought was quite interesting involving the now defunct NFL team in Washington's logo. That's coming up next. More of Stone on Air coming up. I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. At StoneOnAir.com. My name is Dan Snyder. I'm the president and owner of the Washington Redskins. Young man, we ask that you please stop using the name Washington Redskins for your organization. Stop? But why? Because we are the Washington Redskins, and we are a football team. You have no right to use our name to get attention. Uh, the trademark got pulled, so I'm totally free to use the name, actually. Uh, Butters, could you get that? Washington Redskins, go f*** yourself. Look, don't you see that when you call your organization the Washington Redskins, it's offensive to us? How is it offensive? How is it offensive? Jesus! We are a proud team, Mr. Cartman. We have no wish to be associated with people who actively do nothing. Makes it feel like a joke. Guys, guys, we have total respect for you. When we named our company Washington Redskins, it was out of deep appreciation for your team and your people. I know I can't legally make you stop using our name, but but won't you just do it out of decency? Mm, no. But hey, from one Redskin to another, go f*** yourself. Sometimes I think about it Always can count on South Park. This is a new one from the Glass Animals called Heat Wave. The song last segment was Life Itself. The only thing, well, not the only thing, but the main thing that I miss from the Bay Hackle Communications gig was stumbling on stuff like this that I'm not going to get anywhere else. And uh, it wasn't a great radio station by any stretch, but it was a fun radio station. And I was given complete creative control. And so there was a lot to be... There was a lot to be satisfied with it, but, yeah, crappy company for the most part. Run by mostly crappy people and wannabe types, but... Yeah, that's fine. I'm not mad about it at all. I mean, I'm serious. I'm not even trying to be snarky or sarcastic. I'm not mad about it. I sleep until 11, 15 every day. <laughs> at least for now. All right, so I won't spend a lot of time on this go, go around. I wanted to find some audio and do all that like I've been doing more and more and more these days. Except I just, I don't know. It's been a rough week. A lot of stuff going on. Again, someday I might, not a tell-all, someday I might fill you in on some of the, the things I haven't talked about as much. But, um... It left kind of a void of content for this week, hence why Shark Tank just took up an entire segment. But I decided to go back down this road for a minute, mainly because of uh, I found this one piece out of Yahoo Sports, which I thought was pretty interesting, gave it a kind of a different angle, which I'll read just a tiny portion of that here in just a couple minutes. And once I saw that the, um, I don't remember, is it Edmonton? Doesn't really matter. But the, the Canadian football team... The uh, it is Edmonton. Edmonton Eskimos are changing their name because Eskimos is potentially offensive. All right, 
I know it's not, and I looked it up, and I went to see. It is okay. I guess. I guess. I guess that it is. All right. I guess. There's your today's year old. Today's today years old thing. Right. The day we found out Eskimos was a, an uh, an offensive way to refer to a certain amount of people who are not whatever that definable. I don't know. Whatever. I just I I kind of hit a wall on all this, and I thought, holy shit, Eskimos. Really? But yeah, I guess, you know, I rolling, I guess. Yes. So they're changing their name. I don't even have it pulled up. If you want to know why Eskimos could be potentially offensive, you're on your own. But they're changing their football team. And then I saw Trader Joe's is going to rebrand a bunch of their products because apparently they have like Jose in the name of a, a Mexican beer or something and something along those lines. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even giving this enough. Uh, attention to pull it and read it and tell you exactly what it is. Again, you're on your own if you want to know more about that story. But I just I'm I'm fatigued on this. I'm fatigued out, and it to me, it's gotten to the me too. You know they say jump the shark when a television show is jump the shark or or whatever you can use that in any setting I guess you want or something when something has just gone too far too it, it's like oh enough already enough. And this situation is getting to a jump the shark moment, very similar to the Me Too movement. And isn't that funny? Huh? Isn't that interesting? Hmm. I'm looking at my wrist as if I were wearing a watch, wondering why it's been such a long time since there's just been random accusations of sexual misconduct. Huh? Yeah, that has been quite a while since that has happened. Hasn't it? Because the trendy nature that is dumbasshole American societal norms and culture, that's not what's hot right now. That's not what we're going to get a lot of attention for. So that's not happening anymore. That doesn't mean that Me Too isn't real and shouldn't be taken seriously and followed up on and awareness given and blah, 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 blah. I'm on your side, whoever you are. But right now, that's not hip. That's not trending. And all of a sudden, those accusations have stopped. Hmm. That's where we're at with all this. With Black Lives Matter, with racist and racism accusations, that is the iron that is hot. That is what is in vogue. And that is is what is going to now be exploited, just like the Me Too movement was. All of this activism is good until it's not. I'm not going to try to make a greater point than I just made, because I don't think I can do it any better than I already have. I am fatigued by so much of this, and I do not have trust in the average asshole walking around. I just don't. That's why I don't think a mask mandate means anything. It's an optical delusion. And it's why going forward, I'm going to try to give as little attention to the pots and pans smashing together types. I just, I'm done with it. There are so many ways in your community that you can make such a difference and help with whatever it is, the plight that you're concerned with, that very few people actually do. It's one thing to be really loud on social media. It's another thing to also 
back that up with action. And I see less and less of that and more and more look at me, social media world. So yes, I am tired of it. Whatever the flavor of the minute it is right now, I probably agree with it, but I'm tired of it. I saw this uh, just yesterday from Yahoo Sports, and I'll wrap up the show on it right now and only give you a little piece of it. His name is Walter Blackie Wetzel. Blackie as a, in print and quotes as a nickname. A well-respected former chairman of the Blackfeet tribe who dedicated much of his life to advancing Native American civil rights. It goes on to give a background of him and his family and all that, blah, 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 blah. Well, this is the part that I thought was interesting. As Wetzel served as chairman of the Blackfeet Nation and president of the National Congress of American Indians, he befriended President John F. Kennedy, Montana Senator Mike Mansfield, and others within government circles. Those connections gave Wetzel the clout to approach the NFL team in Washington with a proposal in 1971. Wetzel urged ownership to remove the R from the team's helmets and replace it with an image of a Native American. At a time when Native American activists sought to protect their legal rights and religious freedoms and to restore tribal lands, Wetzel viewed the helmet design as a way to promote his people and shine a spotlight on those causes. In an interview with the Washington Post the year before his 2003 death, Wetzel said, quote, it made us all so proud to have an Indian on a big-time team. When asked about the opposition to the Redskins' name and logo, Wetzel said, quote, it's only a small group of radicals. So one of the more prominent names in the Native American community in the 60s and 70s and 80s was not only not against the name or the logo that he created, he purposely shined a bigger light on the nickname and the imagery to bring more awareness to the plight, to the history, and to the progress, and to the importance of the Native American. Now, was he wrong for that? Was he correct for that? I will let you think about that one for yourself. And that is all I got today for July 22nd, the worst year ever, 2020, in the worst July ever. And we've still got another week of it left. Baseball starts on Friday. I am excited about that. Y'all have a great rest of your week, and hopefully I'll have some fun news to talk to you about next week. See you later. Bye.